What should you teach your kids about Bible study? Find out today on Changed by Grace. Welcome to Changed by Grace. I'm Pastor Steve Herford. How important is Bible study? Well, before you answer that, listen to 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. How can we accurately handle it if we don't study it? Well, the same is true for our kids. Let's learn more. In the last few weeks, we have looked at several issues pertaining to parenting. We've talked about your child's greatest need, what you should teach them about God, and what you should teach them about prayer. Tonight, I want to talk about what you should teach them about Bible study. Bible study is essential for any person, whether it be an adult or a youth or a child, but teaching it to your children will certainly take on various forms depending on their age. It's clear that you cannot teach something to your young children that only an adult can understand. So tonight we're going to look at some basic principles as it pertains to Bible study. Twenty-three years ago, when I became a believer... I spent the first year entirely frustrated because I didn't know how to study my Bible. And I went to several of my pastors and they didn't have a clue how to help me with my problem. So I walked away from many of those meetings in tears. But in my frustration, it forced me to pursue the answer to my question. I read many books. I listened to many tapes on the subject. Finally, I was able to come to some answers on how to study the Bible. And tonight, I want to share with you what I've learned over the years. And I want to show you how you can apply these principles, not only in your life, but also to your children. So the first principle I want to deal with tonight is that you must teach your kids to read the Bible. That sounds so basic, and truthfully, it really is very basic, but you would be surprised if we took a survey in here and and just asked, how many of you read your Bible on a daily basis? We might be shocked to find that probably 50, maybe 60% might not read it daily. And I know I'm giving some high numbers there. I, I do hope that I'm wrong, and I do hope that it's a lot lower. And then you spread that off into your family and and you ask your kids, are you reading your Bible? Again, the statistics might be high. I found it very interesting today when I was looking at some statistics just about the Bible itself. For example, the Old Testament alone, which we know consists of 39 books. But did we also know that it has 929 chapters, 23,214 verses, 5,900 or 593,493 words. And then in the New Testament, not only do you have 27 books, but you have 260 chapters, 7,959 verses, and 180,253 words. Now, all those sound very interesting and fantastic and remarkable, but the amazing thing about that is that we don't read them. With so many helps on reading the Bible, there is simply no excuse. Some say that they can't read very well or that they don't have time. And basically my answer to that is simply that that is just an excuse. 
You can make time. You make time for, for anything that's important in your life. In fact, the very things that are important to you are priorities to you. And those are things that you give your attention to. But even in the midst of your busyness, you can have the Bible read to you. Uh, just think of how much time we waste. How much time we waste during the day. Think of how much time you waste when you're sitting there watching the television. You say, well, I don't really like to listen to things. I really don't like to have people read it to me. Well, why not watch it? You can buy the Bible on DVD. You can have it right there on your television set. You can have it read to you and you can look at it as the pages turned in a Bible. I use all of them, by the way. I have the Bible on DVD and sometimes when I like to just look at my computer or, or look at my DVD player, I'll put it up and I'll... And I'll watch it and I'll listen and I can pay attention. I don't have the distractions because my my eyes are focused on the screen. Other times, like when I'm driving, certainly that process wouldn't work. But when I'm driving, I like to listen to my iPod and I'll just follow along with what we're reading for that day. And I'll listen to Max McLean. Most of you in here have Max McLean's uh, reading of the ESV which is remarkable. It's just a wonderful read. Or you might have the New International Version. Um, when we were in Orlando, I think it was two years ago, when Max McLean was there at the Ligonier's Pastors Conference, I had an opportunity to talk to him there in the bookstore area, and I asked him, are, are you going to do any other versions? And he told me that he is getting right now, or at least then, licensed to do the New King James Version and the New American Standard. So, Lord willing, you'll be seeing those coming out a little later. Let's see, if there's, if there's ever a discipline that you can pass on to your children, it's that of reading the Bible. And of course, you need to get them one that they can read. Um, I mentioned the beginner's Bible. I saw it back there in the nursery room. I picked it up. I went, yeah, that's the Bible I'm going to mention tonight. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and I had a couple of you call me and tell me that it was at Family Christian Bookstore, which... That's where I picked up one for somebody, and there were just a ton of them. Um, Gospel World had it. I think, uh, I forget some of the names of these stores. I don't go to them very often. But anyway, it's, it's easily available. And if you have a small child, you have young children that really can't understand what you're reading from, just sit there and, and sit in the chair, lay down on the floor. You say, well, I might not be able to get up. That's fine. You need to stay down there anyway. And, and read the Bible to them. I was showing Matt the beginner's Bible, and I turned to the book of Acts, and I said, look at this. This is very interesting. And and we read from the book of Acts in there about the gift of tongues. And it didn't call it tongues. It called it the gift of languages, and it said everyone understood them in their own language. And we looked at each other and said, isn't it interesting that the children's Bible would get it right? And yet, with the translations that we have as adults, you know, it has to use some of these terms that the translators have stuck there that many don't even understand. And we think that this is some fascinating thing. And we're all into the mystery and all of that. But listen, we've got to keep it simple, especially as we pass this on. And I think the reason why that you and I maybe do not get some of the things as we study the Bible is because people have shoved it over our heads. We need to put it right down here on the table so we can all eat of it, right? I can't express this point anymore. We did this with the Beginner's Bible. That was the one we used. As they got older, uh, we purchased them a Bible. I think we used the New King James Version. That's the version I was using. 
Um, I think all of them, but I think Jeremy, I think he's still using the New King James, and now they're using the New American Standard Bible. He's the rebel. And uh, Anyway, let me give you some verses that talk about just the importance of reading. First of all, Psalm 119. Look at that verse right there, Psalm 119. And look at verse 199. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking that, you know, there is there's benefits in the reading of the word. There's benefits in the study of the word. And David said here in verse 99 that he had more insight than all of his teachers. More insight than all of his teachers. He says, for God's testimonies were his meditation. See, if the Word of God is your constant meditation, you're going to grow wiser. Not in worldly wisdom. We're not interested in worldly wisdom. I mean, we can pick up the news, and we can read what's going on, and we can gain the wisdom of the world, and, and that's enough, folks. That's all I want. I, and half the time, I don't even want that much. I was sitting there watching TV last night with my wife, and just about every station had the election on. I said, come on, there's something else more interesting than this. Every station. I don't have very many. I think I have 12, you know. I found out about after five years of having, you know, cable Internet that I had basic cable. I didn't even know I had that. And I was, you know, sitting there with the antenna trying to get it to come in. Now it comes in, but there ain't nothing on there worth watching. I could sit there. She said, is there anything else on that you can watch? I said, well, maybe we can watch this. And they're talking about rings or talking about flowers or something. So we can watch that. That's about all it's on. But every channel was like that. And I found it very interesting that David said here, and the insight that he gained, it came from meditating on Scripture. Do you find yourself yearning for the Word? Especially those days when you miss it. Those days when you're not in it like you normally are. Let me have you to look over at Exodus 24. You read this recently if you've been reading the Bible with us. Here where Moses is told, along with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel, to come up to the Lord. It says that in verse 1, and you shall worship at a distance. Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people come up with him. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. Notice verse 4. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Here's a good verse for Mosaic authorship, because there are people that question whether Moses wrote any of this. It says, Then he arose early in the morning, built an altar at the foot of the mountain with twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant, and what did he do with it? He read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. He read it in the hearing of the people, the public reading of Scripture. You know, a couple of years ago, we have just really began to get the conviction to read more Scripture publicly and 
we had went to a shepherd's conference. That was one that I went to. And Steve Lawson was preaching on Nehemiah 8. And the title of his message was Bring the Book. And if you read Nehemiah 8, and I'm going to read from that in just a few moments, you'll see why it has that title. But he was stressing the importance of reading the Word publicly. And he made a few statements. And it was enough to just jar all of us. And this past October, I had the opportunity to to go to a, a conference that he put on. And the day before, uh, those who arrived early got to go to his house and have dinner with him. That was the highlight of the whole conference right there. We spent four and a half hours. I told somebody it's, that unless he tells us to leave, we're not going to leave. We were there four and a half hours. And I told him, I said, you know, at that conference at the, there in California, I said, when you started talking about the reading of Scripture, we were already reading Scripture publicly. We'd only read, though, about a chapter that we became convicted. We said, listen, we're going to, as a church, read the Bible together. We're your accountability. All of us, if we're all reading the Scripture together like this, then we're each other's accountability. And so we're going to try this. We're going to read it. We're going to read it publicly. And if it takes us 30 minutes, which I think it takes about 10 minutes to do it, but we're going to show the attention and the priority to the Scripture. And if you'll notice that we don't have a whole lot of business in our service. That is not our desire. Our desire is to worship. And we worship by hearing. We worship by reading. As they put the Scripture there up there in front of you, you can see it. You can read it. You can begin to hide it in your heart. These are things that we're doing to, to prompt you to worship and to think about the right kind of things. And so we completed our first year of doing this. And now we're in our second year of starting over again. And now we're reading the Bible again through in a year. Why are we doing all this? We're doing all this because there's a benefit to this and because there are example after example after example of this in Scripture. As we just read here in Exodus 24. If you want to look over at Deuteronomy 17. Notice something that Moses said about a king that would later be set over Israel. Now, if you notice later on, Israel did ask for a king and they actually sinned in doing that. But there were some things in here I thought was very interesting. Look at Deuteronomy 17 and look at verse 15. Deuteronomy 17, 15. Moses said, You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your countrymen you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. Now, it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom. Notice this. He shall write for himself a copy of this law. He shall do this, he'll write it on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, in order that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom and in the midst of Israel. Do you see that there? Verse 19, he shall read it all 
the days of his life. See how important this is? Again, we do what is ever priority for us. And here this is commanded of the king who would be over Israel, that he would have a copy of the law. That would like to be saying he'd have a copy of the Bible and he would read it every day. And why was he doing this? Just to say he read his Bible? Is that why you read? It's so that you could feel pride in your heart. Somebody asked you, did you read? Yes, I read my Bible. What did you read? Uh, I forgot. <laughs> Come to the end of the day, maybe you have forgotten. No, it says that he, he would do this, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law in these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left. There's a purpose in why we're doing this. Let me have you to turn to Nehemiah. Chapter eight. Nehemiah, chapter eight. And you, you, you find the same thing going on. You have the exiles returning. They rebuilt the walls. And it says there in verse 1 of chapter 8 that the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in the front of the water gate. And I like this. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Hey, bring your Bible. We want you to read your Bible. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. I like this. He read from it before the square which was in the front of the water gate from early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Did you notice that two times we read? That those who could understand. I said this to someone one day. I said, you know, our services, when you're in here, it's really geared to adults. Let's say youth as well. Those who can understand. Little small kids don't understand a lot of what we do. So we have pre-church. And we do what I'm telling you to do in your home. To where you use the scripture, and you do it in a way that they can understand it. You do it at their level, whether it's the beginner's Bible or whether it's, you know, a certain translation or whatever. You're, you're, you're trying to teach them the scripture at the level they can understand. And it says here, when they drew together, all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe, he stood at a wooden podium, which he had made for the purpose. There's where your pulpit comes in. And beside him stood these men that I'm not going to impress you by my eloquence in reading their names. But go down to verse 5. He opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Travis said to me at the conference we were at this past weekend about the people standing up. Because when R.C. Sproul got up to read the scripture, he asked everybody to stand up in honor of the word as they were reading it. And then he said after that that I would probably come up Sunday and ask you all to stand up as we were reading the scripture. And I didn't do that because he told me that. No, I'm just teasing. 
But this is where it came from. This is where they're getting this from. That they stood there as the word was read. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. All the people answered, Amen, Amen. What does Amen mean? Truly, truly, so let it be. While lifting up their hands, when they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is all going on just in the reading of Scripture. They haven't even given the understanding of it yet. They haven't even given the sense, the interpretation of it. They're just reading it. You see how important this is? You say, well, I don't understand everything that I read. You know, there are so many helps out there today. You don't have to know the languages. There are helps out there that can teach you what the languages are. They can teach you with what is there. There's helps that can, can help you with grammar and geography and history and culture. All these different things. In fact, if you want it on your computer, you can get everything at the click of a mouse. Most of you in here who have computers have eSword. Great program. Really good program. Now you can buy books that work within eSword. So maybe you're a little bit more sophisticated. Maybe use some of the programs that, that we're using, Lebronics or one called BibleWorks. Or there's tons of programs out there, folks. My point is, we don't have an excuse. There are so many helps out there to help you. I spent this week moving my study. That was the worst nightmare of my life. Moving my study. I haven't done that in years, but I moved it. To another area of the house that we've set up for that because we're getting ready for the baby. And I just looked around. I start from this end of the room and go to this end of the room. And every shelf is filled with books. And I threw books away. You say, why didn't you give them to me? These are books I didn't want to give to anybody. You know, because I have some books. When I'm studying about the occult, I have Book of Mormon. I have the New World Translation. I have some of these stuff that they're using so I can see what they're writing. And I decided it's time to end those and just throw them in the trash and... I did that and some other books that I picked up. Somebody gave me a book that Wild at Heart, uh, John Eldridge, which is a horrible book. I threw that in the trash. Brand new book. Um, Just things like that. But all of those books are tools. Every book on that shelf is some kind of tool to help you with studying and reading Scripture. And I say that not to impress you. Believe me, I I don't have a desire to do that. I have more books on my computer. That's more impressive to me. But I say that to tell you that there are so many resources out there, there are so many tools that we have no excuse for reading and studying the Scripture. No excuse. And as I've been saying in this study on parenting, that we are setting the pace for our kids. If we're not reading the Bible, guess what? Our kids probably are not either. If we're not studying the Bible, we're not memorizing the Scripture, we're not talking about it, no one else is. Who's going to set the pace? Who's going to raise that, raise up to that standard, to that level in the home? Parents, it's our job. It's our responsibility. Well, it says here in Nehemiah, they read the Word. And he read it from early in the morning until midday. The people stood up as it was read. He was fixed on a platform, elevated above the people, not to elevate him, but to elevate the word. And then it says there that he had the Levites and he also had other names in verse seven that are mentioned that explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. Verse eight, they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. 
Would you underline that verse or circle it or draw square brackets around it? Do something to, to bring attention to that verse because that's the heart of Bible study right there. You start out by reading it. It's to be read. It's, it's to have a purpose when you read it. Paul told the Colossians in chapter 4, verse 16, when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and you. And for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. There's a purpose. The letters were written to be read, but not just to be read, but to apply the principles and the truths that are found in those letters. He told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.27, he says, I adjure you by the Lord, have this letter read to all the brethren. He even told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, give attention to the public reading of the scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. We're even told in Revelation 1.3 that there is a blessing attached to those who read and hear the words of this prophecy. So you need to establish, if you haven't already, the priority of daily reading the Word of God and then teaching this to your kids to read it too. Now, what happens when you read the Bible? Well, many things happen, but this is what I have in mind. When you read the Bible, you're answering a question. What does the Bible say? Now, you might not have studied it at this point. You might not have went into it to understand the meaning of certain words, certain things, certain truths, certain principles. But you know what it says because you've been reading it. Charles Spurgeon said this. How often do we open the sacred book and read a chapter through, perhaps at family prayer or perhaps in our own private devotions? And having read from the first verse to the last, we shut up the book thinking we've done something very right and very proper and in a vague way somehow profitable to us. Very right and very proper indeed. And yet, right and proper as the thing is, we may really have gained nothing thereby. We may, in fact, have only drilled ourselves in the merely external part of religion and may not have enjoyed anything spiritual or anything that could be beneficial to our souls if we have forgotten the divine spirit through whom the word has come to us. With that in mind, I want to give you several ways, five to be exact, on how you can read your Bible and how you can read it with the Spirit's direction and, and aid and how you can get what God wants you to get out of it. First of all, read it prayerfully. Read it prayerfully. Our reading should be done with the deepest reverence. No one can comprehend the teachings of the Bible in his own ability. He must have the assistance of the Holy Spirit. So you're praying things like this. Psalm 119, verse 18. It says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. You're praying and you're asking God because you know He is the source of revelation. He is the source of the Word. This is His Word. So you're talking to the author. That's not like any other book you will ever read. This is a living book. There's no book like it. And we have been given the privilege to study it. You've been listening today to Teaching Your Kids About Bible Study. This message is available on one full-length audio CD and is made available today by calling us at 904-651-3351. If you prefer downloading the free MP3 from our website, visit us online at www 
www.changedbygrace.org. Well, I'm Pastor Steve Herford. I want to thank you for joining us today. Join us again next time as we study together from God's Word.